Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds podcast. This is episode 135 entitled How to Run Successful Ad Campaigns to Increase Conversions with Daniel Danes Hot. It was published on Thursday the 4th of July 2019. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England. And just before we begin, a couple of things. Head over to the wpbuilds.com website and you'll be able to find a bunch of links in the menu at the top. The first one I want to draw your attention to is the subscribe link. And if you click on that, you're going to be able to find a whole heap of ways to keep in touch with us. We've got newsletters. We've got a thriving Facebook group of over 2,000 people. And it will enable you to sign up on things like Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. The next one I want to draw your attention to is the deals link. And if you go over there, you'll find a significant number of coupon codes for WordPress products and services. So themes and plugins and so on. It's a bit like Black Friday, but every single day of the week. So if you're in the market for some products or services related to WordPress, go and check that out. If you want to join us on the WP Builds podcast, then go to wpbuilds.com forward slash contribute. We also produce a whole bunch of webinars and the one that you're going to be interested in, the one that we've still got to come is on the Thursday, the 11th of July. It's called Podcasting and Transcribing with WordPress is Easy with Castos. It's Craig Hewitt talking about how his podcasting platform now enables you to do automatic transcriptions. But go to that page, uh, wpbuilds.com forward slash webinars, and we've got a whole archive of webinars. We've probably got, I don't know, maybe 20 or more now that we've done. And there might be something to do with a WordPress product that you're interested in. And I would say the last one I want to mention is wpbuilds.com forward slash advertise if you would like to have your product or service mentioned on the WP Builds podcast. A little bit like David Von Gries did from the Page Builder Framework. Do you use a page builder to create your websites? The Page Builder Framework is a mobile, responsive and lightning fast WordPress theme that works with Beaver Builder, Elementor, Breezy and other page builders. With its endless customization options in the WordPress customizer, it's the perfect fit for you or your agency. Go to wp-pagebuilderframework.com today. And we thank them for their support of the WP Builds podcast. Right, let's get stuck into it. This is a subject that I know virtually nothing about. So apologies if my questions are somewhat on the ignorant side, but it's all about driving paid traffic to your content or your shop or whatever it might be online. And Daniel Danes Hutt is going to tell you how this can be done. As I said, this is no area of expertise of mine. So it was a really interesting topic to delve into all about how you can target and retarget and decrease your spend on adverts by just looking at the data. I hope you enjoy it. Hello there. Welcome to the WP Builds podcast. It's interview day today. On the line, all the way from New Zealand, albeit uh, originally from the United Kingdom, we have Daniel. Now, Daniel, I didn't even ask you how to pronounce your, your name, so I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say Daniel Danes Hutt. Correct. Yay! I knew this was coming out before. As you were doing the intro, I was thinking, 
Hang on a minute. Does he know how to say it? <laughs> okay, give it a go. Um, Daniel came to me, I think we hooked up via uh, Dave Toomey, who is a, a person very much in the WordPress space. So thank you, Dave, for hooking us up. Because Daniel's specialism is something that I literally know next to zero about. So this is going to be an education for me. It might end up being a bit of a ramble from my part. You know, the questions might not be beautifully structured because I know so little. Because Daniel's area of expertise um, that we're going to talk about today is paid advertising. But before we begin that, Daniel, getting onto the paid advertising bit, do you want to tell us, as I always ask, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, so that we know who you are and, you know, why you've got some authority in this space? Yeah, no worries. Um, first off, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And thanks again, yeah, Dave, for, for introducing us. Um, as you said, Englishman, living in New Zealand, and my accent is all over the place now. Uh, <laughs> originally from the West Midlands, so that accent is not there, although I can do it um, if need be. Uh, it's a long story. I got into entrepreneurship selling T-shirts, I uh, got into a lot of stores. I think I was in five retail stores in five weeks. Um, that was actually with paid ads as well. Funny story, I would run paid ads to people to get them to go ask their retail store to um, um, if they could buy our stuff, knowing full well that I was targeting these people and we didn't have them in that store. And then the retail store came to us to ask if they could stock it. Wow. Anyway, that's another story for another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sneaky like that. So um, I have a background in paid ads. Um, and I write content about that, but ironically, my content is the thing I'm best known for. So I have a blog post that's in the top 10 of all time on inbound.org, which uh, no longer exists. It's a forum for inbound marketers. Um, I've got the top content of 2017 on growth hackers, which is um, another one. I say top, it's in the top 10. Um, I've run a lot of case studies on paid ads. We ran one where we did uh, 18,000 715 sales for $114 in ad spend in a weekend. <laughs> um, and just recently, so my main thing right now is we're talking about content writing and content promotion. It's a new blog that I started called Amp My Content. And um, the big reason behind that is like a lot of people are writing content and creating content, but it's got no value to them. It's not pr producing an ROI past what it took to make. Mm. Um, and so one of the things that you can do, obviously, is actually pay to get your content out in front of people. Now, a lot of people kind of slapdash that. And um, we wrote this massive case study how for every dollar we spend now promoting a blog post, we make $22 back in return. So that's the kind of stuff I wanted to talk about today yep. and kind of give any tips and hints I can about that. And, yeah, any questions that you have at any point, like – Okay. To simplify, go yeah. wild, you know? Yeah, that's great. Okay, so my my confession at the beginning was all about the fact that I know nothing about this. Now, I don't know what the strengths or weaknesses of, of our audience are going to be in this area, but I'll, I'll lay it out fairly plain for you and everybody to understand is that I build websites. I know that Facebook and I know that Google have these platforms. I have dabbled in the past. I have never... Um, made judgments upon those adverts. I've never run ad campaigns for clients. I've done none of that. So the only time I've tried paid adverts is for my own business. And I found myself very, very unwilling, not for, you know, I didn't mean to do it, but I just never found myself analyzing my spend. So 
you know, I know that you can go and geofence things and target only the United Kingdom and you can make it so that when this pot of money runs out, it ceases to do adverts and you can present different ads to different people. and all. But I never just, I never got into any of that. And so every month I would get a, a bill. In my case, this was all from Google because Facebook wasn't around when I was playing with this. That shows how long ago it was. And it just felt like a black hole. And it wasn't a lot of money, but I just felt, okay, Google are taking, let's say, £100 a month off me, and I don't have anything to show for it. I've no idea. I never asked the questions. So it all seems like voodoo to me, a bit of <clears throat> black magic, and, and almost like um, like a, a pot of gold. You know, the idea that you can spend money and make money seems, that's very beguiling. So what are you, first question, what are you primarily using these days? Are you, are you a Facebook ad person? Is that where it's all at these days? At the moment, that's all I'm doing. And there's a specific reason for that. Um, I'm trying to reach a cold audience. So uh, Google ads, you can target specific keywords and things. So if someone's searching for a particular keyword, your advert will show. Hmm. So that's generally kind of a warm audience. They're already looking for a solution to something and you're trying to get in front of them, which is great, And it's but it's competitive. Uh, with Facebook, it's a social platform, obviously, and it's an entertainment platform. People are on there basically trying to find something to do. They're hmm. trying to kill time or whatever. Hmm. Because of that, it makes it very easy to promote content to them rather than offers like it's you can sell on there you know here's a thing do you want this thing buy this thing but by advertising content to them you're entertaining them so it's almost like the netflix feed where it's like do you want to click on this and check this out and they're like yeah okay so it means that the cost is very low based around what we're trying to do Mm. if that makes sense yeah it does I, i can totally sympathize and i understand this because i'm in facebook all the time and um, if you're a Facebook user, I use it primarily on the mobile device. And typically what I notice when I log into Facebook on my phone on the app is that the second thing, you know, there'll be a post that's relevant to me and, and my the people that I'm friends with. And then the second post will be an advert. And then there'll be a couple more posts from people that I know in, in Facebook. And then there'll be another ad. And, and so it goes, yeah, you're right. It, it generally tends to be based around uh, content that I get. Yeah, but very, yeah. very specifically around WordPress because I guess uh, Facebook have figured that out about me. Well, they got the they got the machine learning running in the background and things like that. But yep. it's also um, what I was going to say. I totally forgot to say it. But a warm audience and a cold audience of people who are who could be a potential customer. The warm audience is far smaller and more competitive. Whereas the cold audience, if you can talk to someone who maybe doesn't even know about that problem yet Mm. if you can write an ad that converts them then you can speak to exponentially more people Mm. so that's another benefit of being on there but yeah the uh they are quite it's quite smart how they can target certain things and specific interests and things like that they're getting better so that they're actually pushing people like um agencies and things out of business because well not really but they make it so easy it's just a couple of clicks of the button to target the right people what kind of things are you able to target? Um, like, for, I presume geography is one, and you know. Um, but what specific stuff do you look for when you're creating ads? Okay, so uh, full disclaimer: it changes all the time oh, what okay. they allow you to do. Okay. So um, you know, if you're listening to this, even a month from now, it may have changed ever so slightly. There was a whole thing with. Um, the Russian campaign and stuff in uh, America yep. that 
uh, was targeting specific people for certain reasons and things like that. And so they're making it more difficult to target certain um, certain issues. But I have a friend who's quite like internet famous. He targeted his roommate with Facebook ads. I don't know if you've ever read the article. <laughs> no, where he, um, I like it. <laughs> he would run adverts that were like really, really specific um, and it would only ever show to him. So it would cost him nothing to show. It would cost you like five cents to show it. And um, and he was making his roommate really paranoid, and he thought the FBI was listening into him and things like that. You can't <laughs> you can't get that granular nowadays, but you can to a certain point. So he was basically targeting one email address, and so it would work from there. You know, there's 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 workarounds for all different kind of things. If you wanted to, you were running an event, you could target people who are kind of like in a 500 meter entrance hall. You like you could target people in the hall of the building. You know, if you know what you're doing. Um, wow. Based on, yeah, based on geography and excluding specific areas and things like that, you could literally target people who are going. Like, you could target ads if you are uh, if you're a restaurant to people who are walking down that street at that time, at specific times of day as well. Um, wow. But more importantly, because uh, I know your audience are kind of B two B, B two C kind of thing like that with yep. services. You can target particular interests or job roles and things. So that's actually something specific that we do later on when we're testing an ad. Is I will create a um, a very focused a focus group audience basically of the ideal people that I want to show my ad to. Here's a caveat: it's normally more expensive the more niche down you go, okay. and it's one of the reasons that people. So I should have said this at the start. Almost every ad will lose money when it starts out. Okay. If if you're very lucky, you might spend a four dollars and get a dollar back, something like that. No one ever tells you this because you have to get enough data for the ad to start running and things like that. And so most people quit before they even get enough uh, statistical significance. They don't actually have enough data to know if an ad is working. Okay. I've done it before where I've had an advert that's running and there's five variations. And I go away and uh, I went away for a weekend camping up the Coromandel, which is up the coast here. And the one advert wasn't converting at all. And when I got back on Monday, it was something like six times better than the rest. Wow. And I was huh. I was umming and ahhing with turning it off. And um, I'm just, like, yeah, I'm so glad I didn't because it takes time and, and things to that. So that's the main thing to understand is at the start, most ads lose money. And what you're doing is you're called bottom-up testing they use it in product design and they're basically trying to find things that don't work so that they can find the elements that do work because as much as we know people people are weird you know <laughs> we don't always do the things that we're supposed to do or say that we do which is why your netflix algorithm suggests uh gilmore girls when you tell people you don't watch it but secretly you've watched 12 episodes and so it keeps recommending it to you you know because <laughs> we don't do what we say and we don't say what we do and vice versa so it's it's one of those things where we we do bottom-up testing where we're trying to find what fails to find what works yep and so i'm trying not to jump too far ahead but as i was saying with the focus group what i will do is i will have a focus group of the ideal people who it is more expensive to show to and I will test every element of an advert until I get the ad that gets the most clicks from these people. Once I get that uh, to happen, sometimes I will already be profitable at that point. Right. Uh, the ad is just that good. What I will do then is I will actually uh, broaden the audience and not be so narrow. 
maybe I'll just have one particular interest. Let's say it was uh, web development, you know, rather than just WordPress. And what would happen is Facebook starts to show it to all these people and it drops a cost because it's far cheaper because you're not being so specific now. You're yep. not um, having to budget against it because your ad worked really well with that focus group. It, it goes to figure, but all of a sudden these WordPress developers start clicking on the ad. Facebook starts to learn who your ad performs best with, and then it starts to only show it to those people. Mm. So it's kind of a workaround where we're getting it to show it to those people again, but without having to narrow down and, and pay more to do that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that does make perfect sense. Yeah, So you start broad, figure out what works, then then narrow it down, and hopefully by that point you've got an ad which is effective well well the other way this is the thing we start really narrow so that it, it works with the, the so it's effective and then we go broad and facebook the machine learning starts to show it to the right people ah, okay yeah sorry i had misunderstood sense? yeah 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 okay okay um with with this kind of platform the uh, everybody keeps talking about this retargeting which i think is yes. the is the magic the magic thing that facebook and you know other platforms, I suppose now bring to the table. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and how that plays into the effectiveness of ads? What what is retargeting, perhaps for those of us that are uh, uh, you know been living under a rock for a while? <laughs> so um, everyone's heard that of your audience who come to your website, maybe two to four percent will ever buy. Four to five percent is kind of like e-commerce, maybe as high as eight percent. But that means that there's ninety-two people who didn't buy. Now, the reason they didn't buy a lot of the time is they were checking their phone as they went across the street or they were looking for a present for their partner and then they came in the room, so they closed it, things like that. So retargeting allows you to track the people who visited specific pages or products or services and then run an advert that only they see. Mm. So... At its basic, most basic, you can use it to remind people to come back and say, hey, did you forget this thing? Here's this thing. And in all fairness, you can see a 10% lift in sales hmm. just by doing that. And even better because it's because it's usually only a small group of people who got there. It means the ad cost is very low also. Yes, yes. Because they convert quite easily. So you're so, a- uh, Sorry, go on. No, you go for it. You ask questions. Well, no, like I was it. yeah, I was just going to say so the the principle is that you you have to you can't just do this. You need to put something on your website which recognizes that they have been along and done something from Facebook. They've they've clicked on something. Facebook then um I I guess we're talking about this this Facebook pixel that I really don't know all that much about. And that provides some data back to Facebook to say, look, they clicked on this, they went to this page on your website and so on. And and you can be very specific about what you show them next. It's not just a case of, well, they've been on your web page, show them another ad. You can get really, really granular about where they visited and what time they visited and what to show oh. them next and in what order and all that stuff. Yeah, you can really nerd out on it. Um, there are a few limitations Uh, I will say up front it's anonymous Mm. so it's kind of like cached Um, I I guess that they use some kind of um, crypto method so that they don't know who who is who kind of thing like that so um, you'll never know who that person is who visits the site Mm. um, in reality 
but you will know that um, they visited that particular page and things like that. So yeah, you can remind them about the product. You can set up specific timers and things like that. You can set up um, spe specific triggers and things. So uh, I wrote an article recently about how we get up to like 82% email opt-ins from blog posts. Um, it's it, it's the one that was in the top uh, top content on Growth Hackers. Mm. And one of the methods, we call it the candy bar conundrum. So I don't want to get too nerdy into it. Oh, Here's no, no, please. Method. It's great. It's good fun. I love all the nerdy <laughs> stuff. So um, we use a particular method to capture email, which works ridiculously well. And you could use that and nothing else. But um, at one point, we had about 50,000 visitors visit our website in a, in a couple of days. And I didn't have any email capture in place. So I got a bit crazy about this. So what we set up was a system where someone reads an article, they opt in, and there's a huge amount of people opting in, but there's still a segment that didn't. And so we would retarget them with an ad for the same opt-in. And what would happen is up to 20, 30, 40% more people would come back and opt in again, even though they didn't opt in the first time. Ha, huh, that's counterintuitive. That's amazing. So we, <laughs> we call it the candy bar conundrum because... Um, there's a lot of psych, uh, psychology behind it. You know when you're walking around a supermarket and you're looking at all the things that you need to get and you're saying you're trying to be good and you're picking up, you put the biscuits down and you end up getting the, you know, the cheap coffee and whatever else and you're going around all the different aisles and you're constantly having to um, use willpower all yep. the time. Yep. And you get to the very end and then they've got chocolate bars right at the end. <laughs> You've got to stare at these things while the person in front of you is uh, you know, doing their sh shopping and things. And there's like a 50, 60% chance that you're going to give in and get one, especially if you've already said no to things on the way around. You know, if you weren't interested at all, you're not even going to think about it. But if it had tempted you in some way, it, you only have like a finite amount of willpower um, to keep going. And so what happens is by retargeting them with that particular opt-in, they already want it on some level. They were already interested because they read the post. Yep. Here's the thing. When you're on Facebook, and this relates to your podcast, your last episode, actually, that I listened to today, where you were talking about it makes it very difficult. You always want to log into Facebook. You always want to check notifications and things like that. Mm -hmm. How that software is built is it actually changes your um, kind of brain chemistry of how you react to dopamine and things like that and willpower. And so when you first check it out in the morning, you've got your maximum tolerance, your maximum willpower. And the more you check it out during the day, the more times you have to check it out to get another dopamine release. So you're checking it more and more frequently as you get more tired during the day. Oh, Lord, and, I know, I know. <laughs> so when you're retargeting someone with an offer that they already wanted and their willpower is always already really low, it means that the chances of them opting in are ridiculously high. Huh. Smart, right? Yeah, it's really, really cool. I mean, can this be used? So... Let's say, for example, let's take a hypothetical case that I um, obviously I'm a I'm a web guy. Let's let's move away from that altogether. But for what we're about to talk about, imagine it could be um, a website business. But let's take the example of I don't know shoes. I've yes. I've decided that I'm going to ditch the website business and I'm going to start selling shoes. Right? Um, yeah. 
how, how do you go about this? Because you see, the fear in me is that God, I just want to get. I want to get a bricks and mortar shop. I want to get that safe. I want to know that I'm profitable in that arena. Whereas you have a completely different approach. You're you're willing to spend a ton of money up front because you're good at this stuff. Um, what? How how do we begin? What do we start doing to let's say let's go with shoes? So it, in e-commerce is different, ever so slightly different, especially if you're going to do retargeting and things because the way they set it up is different. You have to set up like SKU numbers and things for every product and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, it, it, how about I give the example of saying you're trying to sell a website to someone? Well, all right. Let's go with that then. If that's, a, if that's easier because there's le- I didn't realize that Facebook had problems with, not problems, but, you know, if there was certain limitations of brevity with um, e-commerce. Yeah, let's go with websites. Good. But it's, it's, when it comes to e-commerce, you might have uh, four different colorways of each shoe, and then you oh, might have I twenty see, shoes. And yes, yes. So what happens is you have to you have to like upload all these different spreadsheets and things. And what you can do is you can create an ad for one shoe that dynamically changes based on color and things like that, wow. based on what they looked at. Wow. So yeah, so it like it pulls all this different information and it creates the advert based off of that. Okay. But. That's overly complex. If you're just doing freelancing or B2B or you're selling a service, it, uh, it's actually quite easy to do. Um, the main thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the main thing to do is only have one, one product at first. If you've never done this before, just start with one product and start with a low daily budget. Facebook wants to spend your money as quickly and as fast as it can it wants to get it wants you to get results because it wants you to keep doing it but the, the way the machine learning is set up is if you give it a 500 dollars budget today it's going to spend that and it's just going to throw spaghetti at the wall to see what happens whereas if you tell it to spend just five dollars it's going to work really hard to try and find a result for you okay and so you actually start to train the machine to work uh on a lower budget and be more effective so a lot of people do that is what they either they don't spend any money on ads or they go, okay, I'm going to dive in. I've got a thousand dollars and they spend it all in a day and they've got nothing to show for it. That would be me. That's exactly what <laughs> I would do. <laughs> I'm talking from like past experience here. And like, uh, you know, that's how you, that's how you learn these things is you make those mistakes, right? Okay. Um, so you start small and you only have a, a small budget. Next thing to know, and no one likes doing this because it's maths, but basically you need to know how much you can afford to spend to get a customer. Because if you don't know that, you don't know if you're making money or losing money. And you also, in theory, you don't know how much you should be spending to make that customer. Mm. So um, it's quite simple. The way we teach it in in this uh, blog post, it's a massive, massive guide because it is a big topic. Yep, yep. It's like 28,000 words or something ridiculous. We could sell it as a book. We run an ad to a blog post um, first because we know that we can talk to a cold audience doing that. And also, one, it means we're leveraging that content that we've already written, so I don't have to do anything new. Um, But that content also converts people into subscribers. And now I know that for X amount of subscribers, I will make a sale. So if I know... Um, how much a sale is worth to a person, then I know how much I can afford to spend per subscriber, yep. which means I know how much I can spend to, to get someone to the site. 
So by doing that, if you're if you know all those details, for one, it makes it much easier because you could be more confident. Because, for example, for me, I know that it's something like um, one in seventeen subscribers becomes a customer right now. Mm. Like we're kind of outliers for certain data points. So I know that I need to get about seventeen emails, and our product costs you know two hundred and forty dollars or whatever it is. So that gives me really good margins. I know that I can spend 240 divided by 17 per subscriber. So as long as I'm spending, as long as I get, you know, I can break even on that yep. and, and it will be fine. Ideally, obviously we want to make a profit. So I'm butchering this. It's really late at night. <laughs> no, uh, it's, it makes perfect sense to me. Basically you want, you, you want to find out those numbers of how much, uh, a sale is worth and you also want to find out how much a customer is worth over their lifetime because you never want to judge it off the first purchase because in reality most people make more than one purchase so they're worth far more than you would ever think we give an example in the thing where you can buy surf wax for five dollars but a surfboard is two thousand and every surfer i know has got about eight boards so they're worth sixteen thousand dollars to that surf shop right you know so, so your budget for ads is not five dollars for a block of wax or 250 because you want to break even on it. It's actually far more. That's what you can afford to get a customer into your business. Yeah, that kind of stuff I've always been really lousy at, you know, sitting down and working out what a customer is worth to me. Because, you know, a website is, in the case that, of my business, that's quite a high ticket item. You know, it's not $5 yeah. for wax or anything. But you're absolutely right. You know, usually they'll be, they'll be with me for several years, probably through two or three redesigns over a period of five or six, seven years. So it's worth more than X. It's their value. Getting them through the door is probably two or three of the times the original cost of the original website. Exactly. So what we what we recommend is twenty percent of their lifetime value. Be prepared to spend up to that much. Oh wow! Okay. I, yeah. Wow. I say that high because you're never going to spend that high, but I say that because a lot of people will run ads and they'll offer a discount because they can't get the ad to convert fast enough. And, but what that happens then is it actually costs you more money by discounting than it did if you actually ran the advert. Right. If that, if that makes sense. And yeah, not only that, sense. devalue yep. your service and everything else. Yep. Um, that's just like a rule of thumb, up to 20%. Anything more than that, you are losing money. But if it's 20% of that, and again, that's not taken into account. That's not the initial money they pay. If it was 10 grand or whatever for the website, you're taking out labor costs, um, ongoing fees, you know, digital costs, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So it ends up being about, um, you know, you take that 10 grand, you turn it into six, and then you say, okay, I can afford to spend 20% of six. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that way, even if you spend that much money, you're still covering your costs, your labor, everything else. It's quite a punt, isn't it, um, on a high-ticket item? That, and that's, that's where I fall down with this whole system is I'm terrified of spending that money to begin with because I've never done it and I've never had that aha moment of, oh, oh, it worked. It made me some money. Um, that's, that's what I need. I need that moment. Well, the, the next thing to figure out after that is out of most sales cycles are quite long. So ours is 30 to 45 days, something like that. So if someone visits our website from a paid ad, 
I won't see a sale for about 45 days. Right. Now, that's going to make you super anxious because you're spending money for 45 days and you don't know if an ad is working. That's yeah. why, again, we recommend pushing from con uh, to content to a subscriber because the feedback loop on how much a subscriber cost is, is almost instantaneous. Mm. So the next thing to figure out is out of how many leads do you need to have to make one sale? Because then if you know that, say you've got your 20% of 6,000 or what it is, uh, so that's um, 1,200 bucks, is it? The, Am I going crazy? Yeah, it's about right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right, yeah. You know, so that's as much as the, the maximum that you'd be prepared to pay all out. Um, if it takes you 10 leads to make one sale, mm. then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, I can afford to spend $120 per subscriber. Okay. So if you start running an ad and it's getting content and the subscribers are less than that, you're like, well, statistically, I'm going to make money. You know it's going to happen. Yes, yes, you know? yes. That all makes sense. So now we're on $120 per, um, per, per, what's the word, per, per conversion, I'm going to say. Um, yeah. You see, this is the point where I, I start to get really nervous. and It's um, almost always going to be less than that. Like yeah. We're, 15 cents per subscriber right now. Yes, yeah, we're sort of exaggerating the numbers. But this is the point yeah. where I get scared because, you know, having spent all this money, you don't see the you don't see the return on it. In your case, as you've said, in your industry, you don't see anything for 45 days. That's going to worry me. The amount of money is worrying me. The fact that, um, you know, you've got to do all these calculations is worrying me. Um, uh, it's it, it, but, 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 but this stuff works. So I need to I need to get over that hump and just start doing this kind of stuff it's very scary the first time you do it and it's very scary the next time you do a new advert and things like that even yep. though you've got ads that make money um, a major part to understand as well is if it takes you 10 leads to get one sale then you need to do $1,200 in ads right you know because because so if you ran an ad and you spent 120 bucks and you got that one lead and you didn't make a sale well, you are not going to. We know that it's one in 10 that you normally convert. So a lot of people stop too soon. So they, they haven't ran the ad for long enough to reach enough people to statistically get a customer based on what their current conversions and things are. Nothing to do with the ad or anything else. It's just as a business, you convert 10, uh, one out of every 10 into a sale. So if you haven't got enough people through the door, you're not going to make your sales mark figures, are you? How, how long does it take? somebody like me who was coming in absolutely cold to the Facebook ad platform, how long would it take me, do you think, if I if I literally took all my time off and devoted myself nine to five to getting ads running and learning this stuff, how, how long do you think it would take me to, to get up to speed where I, I understood the interface, the UI, where all the options were and so on and so forth? Not very long at all. You could learn it all in, you know, you could learn more than enough in a week. Huh. This is the thing. The actual tool itself is very simple. It's uh, understanding important elements, i.e. knowing how much you can spend, uh, tracking to make sure you're profitable, setting up uh, you know, certain systems so you don't overspend and things like that. Um, they're all easy. They just like flick of a button. The beauty is when we teach people like in the guide how to test an ad, we do A-B testing of certain elements. Um, so there's two types of testing. There's A-B testing and multivariate. In an advert, we normally 
in the guide, we show just one ad, a newsfeed ad. Newsfeed ad has the introduction at the top, the image, the headline, the subhead. Yep. So those are the five elements that you've got and the call to action as well, which is normally in the text. So those are the five elements that you need to test. There's a specific order that people will consume an advert. They never consume it as you would think they would. So we test particular things in a particular order based on what's the most important thing. In reality, the image is the first thing that gets them to pay attention because they're just scrolling through and it's not until the image stops them that they pay attention. I'm totally with you. I completely concur. That's me 100%. Right. And so what happens is we, we have this tight focus group and we test maybe just four images to find which image gets the most clicks. See, if you were to do multivariate testing, you would test four images with four headlines with four call ah. actions. So you would have something like 250 ads running. Yep. The thing that's great if you've got a budget and you can afford to spend it. Uh, like I'm not opposed to it at all. It's the fastest way to get a result to find a winning ad. Mm. But if you're a small business or you've never run ads before or anything like that, your ad needs to be seen about 10,000 times before you've got enough statistical data to know that you actually have a winning variation, to know like with confidence that you have a winner. So if you've got 250 ads running and you've got to show them 10,000 times, oh. all of a sudden it costs you a small fortune. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing A-B testing, we say, okay, well, you've written all your ad, everything's there, let's just test four image variations. And we turn it on and we leave it for three days. And we come back after three days and by that time, it takes uh, kind of two to three days for the algorithm to kind of balance out. And by the third day, we can look at it and say, okay, well, which is the, the winning ad? And, and how, how do you do that? How do, what, what do you mean by the winning ad? Is there like a chart or a graph that you're looking at there? Um, we actually use a three A-B testing tool. Um, uh, it's on Neil Patel's website. Okay. And so, um, and again, that's in the guide as well. So basically, you would take, when we're testing originally, we're testing for impressions, so eyeballs. We want to show the ad as much as possible to this focus group of people. And we're measuring uh, click-through rate, which which image it, or which part of this test is getting the most clicks. And unless there's a massive, massive, massive lead, you probably don't have a winner just then. Mm. Because like I said before, you can go away for a weekend and then all of a sudden the one that was losing suddenly becomes the winner by five times. Right. So that is the beauty of setting up an ad like this is you set it up, you leave it for three days, you come back, you plug the data into this thing, and it says this one is winning by 10%, but it's only had so many views. And if the margin isn't big enough, then we just let it run for another day. Mm-hmm. And then we let it run for another day. And so we've got enough data that statistically, um, if we ran it to then a million people, it should perform the same. So we're just trying to get enough views on it so that we're making sure it's not a fluke or anything like that. Mm. It sounds complex, and it is like there's some some maths and confidence ratings and things, but all it really is is you're plugging in four numbers and then the software says, this is the winner so far. Does it have um, as, does it have enough views so far for us to be confident that this will stay the same? And it'll say yes or no. And so if it's a no, we let it run for another day. And if it's yes, brilliant, we turn it off and then we test the next thing. So the, the image is always the first thing to do. Give it a few days, check the image. And so what are you, what are you optimizing next? What comes after that? Okay, so this is the way that people consume a newsfeed ad anyway. Um, 
first thing they see is the image which gets their attention. Next thing is they're looking for some kind of context. So they read the headline underneath the image and they see if it's relevant to them. Hmm. Because people are always trying to save time and energy. We're quite lazy creatures in that the logical part of our brain, we're, tr- we're pretty much on autopilot all the time. It's how we drive home. It's how we you know, pick up the candy bar without realizing and things like that. So we, re- we see the image and then we read the headline. And if it is relevant to us, we go, huh. And then we read the subhead to get more context again. So usually the headline is some kind of pain-based thing. Do you have this struggle? And then the subhead is more um, talking about the goal. Because if you lead with pain, people pay attention. But if you lead with the thing that they want, they kind of go, meh, I'll do it later. Hmm. There's, a, there's a whole, like, um, there's books and books on the subject. But it's why copywriters kind of lead with that. So um, so you, you've optimized the image. You run that for a few days. Then do you, yep. do you then do exactly the same process for a few days with the headline and sort of work out exactly which... Exactly the very, same. Okay. So this process exactly. takes, you know, a, a, like well over a week. Um, it takes like, about 12 days. Yeah, yeah. 15 days. And then you eventually you, the you pop out... You're only this... spending... Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you're... the thing is you're only spending very little, maybe $20 a day. <clears throat> but... This is the thing. By the time you've got a winning image, we take that winning image as a control and we put it into the new test with all the different headlines. Mm. And then we have a winning headline. So every time that we have a new test, the baseline is already higher performing than the previous test. Just out of interest, with these these little tests, so going back to the the four images, do you pick four images which are broadly the same or do you pick four wildly different images that are utterly in no way bear any relationship to each other wildly different ah, um, okay you're only testing for small variations once you have a winner right so you could run this entire process and have an ad that performs and if you wanted to get it even better you know if you if you're spending like million dollar budgets and things then yes you could say okay well the, We'll, we'll change the person from a blonde to a brunette and see if that affects it. Wow. And it's the same image. Okay, okay. Do, do, the images on, do the images have to bear relationship to the stuff that you're trying to sell? So obviously, you know, if it was socks or shoes, I guess images of socks or shoes would be where it's at. But for something like websites, yeah. I mean, I can imagine, you know, pictures of all sorts of things that have got nothing to do with websites. Is there, is there some, yeah, cats, exactly. I was just thinking, let's put a load of cats on, get their attention and then go down to there. Or do people react against that and feel that they've been duped? It depends. Ah, interesting. So there are, I want to say seven uh, emotional factors that drive people. Now, everyone, it's, sorry, I'm going to have to let my cat in because he keeps banging the door. Well, you've got to have cats. <laughs> I know. He's banging at the door because I'm in the, uh, in the home office right now. So there's different emotional triggers that motivate everyone, and they change based on specific things. Like some people want to move towards pleasure, but a lot of people are not motivated by it. But a lot of people are motivated of moving away from pain. Mm. It could be the exact same goal, but they're more motivated to not have a bad website than they are to have a great website and look good. Other people are motivated by status. Other people are motivated by needing to give and things like that. And it's it's really weird. Like there's these different factors and they're all segments of your audience Mm. who you can appeal to with the exact same product, 
but by basing it on something else because we we buy based on emotion and then we come up with some kind of excuse afterwards some kind of logic does um, sorry to why you have does facebook give you any like this is going to sound weird um but does facebook make judgments about your predilection to to be a i react to pain or i react you know the things that you've just described these seven things that you, which i didn't let you finish i'm sorry um That's does it allow you to do that kind of thing or is that just all on you and you've got to run it and hope that it works you run it and hope that it works yeah, okay. but here's the thing facebook got in a lot of trouble recently because they actually tested this out as a human guinea pig test oh. where they were test showing <laughs> in the news feed they were showing particular happy ads to a subset of people and they were showing sad adverts to another group and then measuring the response and reactions that people took. Ah, okay. So it was so on their radar. About... Right. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. talking like psychological testing and stuff there. Well, yeah, because then presumably they make a judgment based upon what you, you know, your habits and so on, that you are you are this person that reacts to sad things or you react better to, to happy things and so on and so forth. And that would make it, 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 I get it, it starts to sound a bit creepy at that point, doesn't it? Whether it is or not is up to you, but it sounds creepy. I don't want to get all political, but yeah. that's... Um... So the Russian collusion and the whole kind of Trump administration and Brexit as well was all based on this particular thing. So they had something like 4,000 data sets on people who were prone to uh, uh, be motivated by fear and uh, fear of missing out and uh, societal aggression and things like this. Um, And they used that as a targeting demographic and then they would show them particular campaigns that um, yep. would cause them to vote in this particular way. Yeah, I So mean, that's why like Facebook had this whole thing recently where yep. they changed a lot of the targeting. Yeah, if you're an advertiser like Facebook or you want to shift a load of product, I can see that that's really genuinely very interesting data to have. But as, a, as an end user, oh, yeah. somebody like me, it kind of smacks of, like, get off, you know too much already. That's too weird. Yeah, yeah. well, that's well, interesting to know, though. Google cause... knows more. Yes, well, Google, I mean, I've given up on even hiding anything from Google. It it kind of knows absolutely everything. You know, my phone is constantly phoning home, telling it all sorts of interesting stuff. Yeah, that, that fascinating. Sorry, you were talking about these you're seven fine. things. Yeah, you're totally fine. But basically, so when you're testing images and things like that, you could literally run one to each different emotional area. And you would find that you would get sales from each of them. But when you're starting out, one of them is going to be more beneficial. And so you're probably going to ignore the others because you don't have a huge budget right away. Mm. And, um, you know, it it might be that, yes, you do make sales from people who are sad, but they end up being difficult clients and things like that. So you don't (laughs) want to run ads to them. You know, like there's all this stuff like down the line that you can you can find out and test. I, it's funny, I found when we actually dropped our lead cost and we would get a lot of customers who would buy, but there would also be people who would refund. Whereas when the leads cost more, we had a lower churn rate, huh. things like that. Oh, maybe yeah. people were giving it some more thought and so on. Interesting thought. Before we were talking um, on the recording, we were having a chat. And one of the things that always fascinates me is that people literally make a living out of they don't have any relationship necessarily with the product itself or the thing that they're advertising but there there are people who make very successful careers just out of running facebook ads for other people's stuff 
Yeah, affiliate marketers. Um, I would say affiliate advertisers, really, because affiliate marketing could be, you know, me, me, uh, me or you, we, we might write a blog post and recommend tools, and then we might get like a small kickback for that. Yes, and but, but the, I, the the thing that that's very familiar, isn't it? You know, um, yeah. because you create content, you create value around it. Whereas this is yeah. a completely different, like completely different approach. Oh, yeah. you, you don't create any value; you just spend your way into that's profit. It. And they are literally paying to get an advert to get someone to a page. And it's the exact same way. The things that I'm talking about right now, it's the same way. These guys have normally got huge budgets, so they'll test thousands of ads per week with specific margins, and they've got software and stuff to turn things off and turn them on. And they normally work in a lot of dodgy kind of industries because there's high margins and stuff, uh, you know, like selling um, healthcare supplements or, yeah. you know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, but yeah, they make an absolute fortune. Like I was saying, I've got a friend who did a million dollars in a day before, wow. but he also spent like $300,000 up front and he's got to wait a month for these people to pay him and things like that, you know? Okay. So but, it's, it's not as pleasurable as it seems. And maybe don't go out there unless you've got a ton of cash and uh, you've also got the, the, the tenacity to stick with it and be prepared to lose a bit. This is a crazy thing. I've got a friend who is a web developer who's doing really well, actually. I was going to recommend him. Uh, he listened to your show. He just started out building uh, Divi kind of Shopify sites. Mm. And he's done 45 sites in the in the year that he's been running. Just like he's built more sites, but like he's had a really good year. He's getting into it. But the thing is, before he was doing that freelance, he was actually doing affiliate marketing for a particular agency. Mm. And they were spending, you know, they were spending $22 and getting 600 back. Mm. And I was like, why, why don't you just do that, man? You've got the money. Why don't you just do that for yourself? And he's like, I just like building websites. Yeah. You know? And he genuinely just does that thing. Like, I think a lot of people who do those affiliate ads, um, they're motivated by seeing, like, the numbers go up and down. Yes. You know? Yes. But it can get it can get quite boring, like looking at your ads and stuff all the time. And... Oh, yeah. It's not something that would ever interest. I'm just fascinated that that's a career, you know, that, crazy, you can, right? that, that you could literally go out there and find any kind of, like you could do dog food or you could do yep. computer hardware or like you say, health supplements or anything. Just randomly pick something. And so long as you've got the, presumably the correct software that helps you out and enables you to turn things off and turn things on so that you lose as little as possible. There is actually a very lucrative career if you're good at this. That astonishes me. Because in effect, it's a bit like the stock market, isn't it? You know, you're not actually, you're not doing anything ostensibly, but you are. Yeah. You're just reacting to specific platforms and demand. Um, but it is, it's just media buying, really. Mm. They're saying that I can buy X amount on this platform for less than it costs so that I can get this back and see a return. Mm. But that's the process that I've been describing. It's exactly the same. They know how much a sale is worth. They know how much they're prepared to pay. Uh, they know on average for X amount of traffic, how many subscribers, how many sales they'll get. And so they can offer these margins to these guys, and these guys will just run ads all day. Mm. You know, Incredible. they'll just fire money at it. Yeah, absolutely. there's a guy called Charles No N G O. He's a, he's probably one of the only guys who does really good content marketing around it. And he's one of those success stories where he made like his his million in his first year, and he kind of had two credit cards to pay for the ads and stuff. <laughs> a lot of people don't get to that point. You know, no. you're better off having your own product and learning to market your own ads to I your agree. own product yeah than anything else but yeah, yeah.
please nobody go out there and try this <laughs> on the strength yeah. of on the strength of me talking about um you know people making <laughs> get, a lot of money. Excited. Yeah, I like I, I much prefer the idea of have a product that's your own, market it, you know, work out the um as as Daniel's been saying, work out the the, the most specific ad, then hone it down, retarget it, and uh, and hopefully you'll have success. D- Daniel, just just because it's been a bit of a rambly conversation from my point of view, because I don't really understand this. I said at the outset it was going to be like that. You've got a you've got a genuinely, like you said, it's like a book sized piece of content. Do you wanna do you wanna just tell us where that lives on the internet, what the URL is and what it's what it's gonna teach you if you manage to get from top to bottom? Yeah, totally. So um, that guide, it's at uh, www.ampmycontent.com forward slash promoted dash content. Um, and you'll, you'll see it on there. It is literally, it's eight chapters and it walks you through. The beauty of it is it's actionable. So as you start to read through it, there's certain steps that you'll take. So by the end of chapter two, you'll know your business numbers before you even run ads. Yeah. Because then you know it's feasible to actually run ads. Then the next two chapters are teaching you research of your audience so you know how to write for them. Then it shows you how to design an ad and it talks about all we talked about there, about the emotional triggers and things. And it, it even shows you how to go into Canva and actually design an ad and we show you one that we created that converts for us and we show you how to replicate that so you can learn. Obviously, we can't teach you everything about it because I can't teach you Photoshop and stuff like that. Mm. But every every part of it is in there, how to test it, how to set it up, how to start running. Um how to start uh, uh, measuring and start getting to a profit and all that. All of that. It's, it's all in there. It's made in eight chapters, and each of the chapters is one of these pages. Um, you've got chapter one, your paid ad strategy. Number two, know your business numbers, which you talk, talked about quite a lot. Number three, know your audience again. Number four, write a killer ad copy. I would fail at that. I'd need help with that. Number five. Oh, it's easy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you say so. <laughs> there's, there's like templated structure, how our brain works and how we consume information. Like I was saying with like how we consume an advert, same thing. So yeah. as long as you hit on certain points when you're writing it, you're fine. If that's your, if that's like me, your pain point. Chapter four is what you'd be looking for there. Then chapter five, design your ad creatives. Yep, I could, I can, I can, I can warm to that one. I'm all right. I'm, I can probably do that one. Number six, ad tracking and reporting. That's where I would probably spend my time because I don't know anything about that. Number seven, laser target your audience. I'm presuming that's like retargeting, what have you. And number eight, um, test until profitable. So yeah, go to um, www.ampmycontent.com forward slash now i've moved on to a different url now it was promoted promoted hyphen content yeah yeah, yeah, yeah perfect yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. content that's all right um so thank you for coming on i realized that not only were my questions a bit sort of misguided because i don't really understand it but you've had to cope with that so apologies but hopefully no problem at all hopefully like, some, somebody will you know realize that you're a bit of an expert in this and reach out to you go and download the pdf off the the web page at the end of the podcast i always Give everybody a fair bit of time, as much as you like, to tell us about you know your Twitter handle, your email address, what whatever. Um, yeah. So, Daniel, it's over to you. Yeah. So we actually have two blogs. I have a retargeting blog, which is inboundascension.com. Although, in fairness, it's on hiatus right now because I'm my main focus is getting AMP up to a hundred thousand visitors a month. Because we teach people how to promote content, I kind of have to get a lot of traffic to that site to show it works. Yes. Yeah, good so, point. <laughs> Eating your own dog yeah. food, yeah. 
Yeah, that's it. So that's that's one of the major things. Like we that case study that we created, it took nine weeks to write, and it we spent about uh, three thousand dollars testing and running ads and things, and you know getting it to that point. It was profitable way before then, but I like to run these things. So we literally everything we write is all in-depth how-to guides and case studies and things like that. But my Twitter handle is at inbound ascend because the retargeting site came first. Uh-huh. Um, you can find us at ampmycontent.com and there's three other posts on there as well because it's quite a new site. But it's basically our manifesto of why we, um, why people, especially small businesses, need to be writing less often and actually focusing on promotion. We teach people how to actually create killer content by taking an old post and how to improve it. And we show you the method that we use um, to get up to 80% email opt-ins. So that's basically it. It's just I have a Twitter handle. I'm going to be totally honest. It's photos of my cat, and it's whatever music I'm listening to on YouTube. (laughs) We get get people following us all the time, and I find it so funny. We got like um, the head of WordStream, and someone else followed me, and someone else. I mean, I'm like, okay, well, here's a bit of David Bowie. Here's some cats (laughs) cats and music. (laughs) Well, thank Thank you for coming on. Um, what I would say is, you know, if you're, if, if like me, you are ignorant of how to do ads, go and check this out. The, the guide is long and impressive and substantial. Um, you know, maybe reach out to Daniel and see if you can leverage his expertise. But maybe it's also something that you could um, offer to clients of yours. You know, once you've got this expertise, there's no point in keeping it to yourself. This could be a very profitable little niche in your own in your own part of the, the world. So thanks for coming on, Daniel. I appreciate you, uh, in, you know, coming on the WP Builds podcast. No, thank you very much for having me. It's a lot of fun. And like I said at the start, um, you know, there's like there's no silly questions because your understanding of is probably similar to your audience. Mm. So that's perfect because it means that I'm not, you know, jumping over the top of anyone's heads and they yeah. can follow along and understand the things. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Great. Thank you. Sorry Thanks. for the cat jumping around. No, no, no. We like the cats. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Well, I hope you found that useful. It was really useful for me. As I said, right at the beginning of the show, I am very ignorant of all things paid ads. And so this was a real a real 101 for me, a real illustration of what's possible with paid ads. And maybe if that was the case for you too, and you were not an expert in this, you'll be encouraged to go and explore paid ads a little bit more. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by WP and Up. One in four of us will be directly affected by mental health-related illness. WP and Up supports and promotes positive mental health within the WordPress community. This is achieved through mentorship, events, training and counselling. Please help enable WP and Up by visiting wpandup.org forward slash give. Okay, thank you so much. Your participation in the WP Builds podcast and all that we do is very much appreciated. Join us next Monday when we'll be giving you a roundup of the news. Not only do we do that via a post that we put on the website with an audio of all the WordPress news from the previous week, but at 2pm UK time, I will be joined by some special guests and we will discuss that WordPress news. You can find that live in the WP Builds Facebook group. That's wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. If we don't get you for that, then perhaps we'll catch you next Thursday for the podcast. Right, I'm going to fade in what can only be described as incredibly cheesy music and I'll say bye-bye for now.